We continue in our time going through the Advent season, listening to familiar stories, singing songs that are familiar to us, that display and convey the true meaning of Christmas. And as we go through Advent, we are in a season in which we wait for Christmas Day. And uh, Advent is a season of waiting. It's waiting uh, for the arrival of Christmas, and it reminds us of what it was like to have been alive at the time before Jesus was born, the time of expecting the, the arrival of the Messiah. Advent means literally to come or to arrive. And so throughout the Advent season, we are looking at different gifts of Christmas as we contemplate what it would have been like to have been waiting and anticipating the uh, the coming of Jesus Christ. It also helps us to remember that Jesus said he is coming again. And so as we go through the Advent season, we not only walk with the prophets and remember what it was like before he was born. We not only walk with those who were present at the time of his birth, but together we walk forward, remembering that he has said that there will be a day in which he returns Today, as we think through the gifts of Christmas, we'll be looking at the gift of love, as Lee mentioned earlier this morning. Hope, love, peace, and joy are the four gifts that we're looking at throughout the Advent season. Maybe if you have been celebrating Advent as a family, you're, you have an Advent wreath with a different candle that represents each of these gifts. Maybe you have an Advent calendar. I can remember several years ago, um, my mom uh, gave us an Advent calendar where throughout the month of December, you would you'd pull off this perforated window and behind it there was a piece of chocolate candy Have you all ever had one of those so so every day our family would gather together and we'd we'd pull off that window and then the only problem was there was one piece of candy and we have three children right so you can imagine how that worked out but uh but we did go day by day through that and and at the time we were living outside of richmond virginia we were going through training just about to head off uh, uh with the international mission board and uh so we were living in this complex and so we had we had a, a particular unit that we were living in and and uh, brock was three at the time and he got in the door before us and he closed the door and he locked the door And the kitchen was right on the other side. And we could hear a lot of clatter in there. We could hear the chair being scooted across the floor. And we were looking desperately for another key, not knowing what he was into. Well, when we finally got a key and got in there about five or ten minutes later, we realized what he had gotten into. He had found the advent calendar. And he had chocolate dripping off both sides of his mouth, as I think the little guy must have celebrated about two weeks of advent (laughs) in that ten-minute period. So uh, wherever it is in your Advent season that you find yourself, whether it's uh, uh, the candle of, of, of hope or this week the, uh, the candle of love, I pray that it's something that will be a blessing to your family as you walk through the Advent season. Oftentimes this season is, of course, very busy, a lot of activities. We mentioned that last week. And so I think that by having a concerted effort of several weeks, it allows us to pause and to reflect. And every time that we gather together to consider what the reality of this season is all about. So this morning, I invite you, as we look to God's word, to think about the gift of love. Let us unwrap it together. And enjoy the love that only God can provide us. In fact, it's a love that we were created to receive, one that we need. Love is a word that is misunderstood in our culture today. In fact, even when I use the word love, there are a lot of different thoughts that are coming throughout the congregation this morning. For sometimes we, we view love as something only as a feeling or as an emotion. 
And, 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 and so it, 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 it may strike us this morning in different ways. In fact, there are probably some that are with us this, this morning that, that think about love and, and not so positive of a way. They can think back of, of times in which someone has professed a love to them, and yet they may not have remained committed. Maybe there was a love that, that, was, that was present for a time and then faded. And so if we're not careful, we can take some of those, those experiences or some of those ideas and thoughts and, and, and think that that's what God's love is about. And yet God has a, a love that is beyond the love that this world could offer. God has a love that is beyond even the dissatisfaction that we at times can find with earthly love. And so I invite you this morning to try, if at all possible, to look above the ways of this world, the thoughts of this world, and to receive a love that is far greater than anything we can experience in this earth. In fact, it might even mean for some of us that we, that we let down some defensiveness, some guardedness that we might have relating to the idea of love. And experience afresh the love that God offers to provide us today through His Son this Christmas season, which of course is the embodiment of His love in Jesus Christ. So let's look first of all at the definition of love. According to Scripture, love is a commitment. It's a willful commitment, an intentional act of self-sacrifice. Now, I would admit that it does involve feelings, it does involve emotions, but that's not the sum total of love. Because we know that feelings and emotions, they can come and go, can't they? They can be strong, they can be weak, but a commitment, a selfless, sacrificial, intentional commitment is something that is very different. I want us to look at 1 John chapter 4 this morning. In fact, we'll look at two passages, 1 John chapter 4, and then we'll look in the book of Ephesians in a few minutes. These passages may not be the typical Christmas narratives that we sometimes think of, but they are passages that declare God's love. In fact, the one out of 1 John 4 declares that God sent His Son into the world that we may know His love. Let's look at it together. 1 John 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through him in this is love not that we have loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the sacrifice for our sins and then he wraps it up there in verse 11 by saying beloved if god so loved us we also ought to love one another it's amazing when we think about the love of god when we think about the fact that he knew that we had a need that only He could meet, and that He loved us enough to provide His, as it says in verse 9, His only Son, to demonstrate unconditional, sacrificial love. Again, a love that we don't find in this world. I read an account this last week that... uh, comes from the Wycliffe Bible Translators. You may have heard of Wycliffe. They, they go all over the world. They go into to hard-to-reach places. They go into to people groups that have, that have languages that have not yet uh, had a translation of the Word of God. And uh, there was an account in which they were in West Africa. And they were, they were working in a particular language group. And it's, it's called the Mabam cluster of languages. And they were in West Africa and they were, they were trying to, to describe the word love. And as they, as the translators were working, they realized that, that in this language there was a word for love 
the first two letters that we would transliterate would be DV. And that every time that a, that a, that a verb was used, it had one of three endings, always with one letter. We would transliterate an I, an A, or a U. And as they were working through the scriptures, they, they realized that, uh, that the word love in the culture of these Africans only had it in two tenses, not three. All the other verbs had three endings, but not the word love. And so they began to inquire uh, with some of the leaders there in the community about this concept of love in this particular language. And so they decided they would use the word love in a question. And they would use the different endings to see if it made sense as they were translating Scripture. So they, they put this question out. Could you divide, D-V-I, your wife? And so the, the, the African leader said, of course you could. That would mean that your wife had been loved at one time, but the love was gone. So they thought, okay, that if we use that ending, that means it's more like a, a past tense. And so they began with the question again, but this time adding the word a. Could you devour your wife? And yes, they responded. That kind of love, though, depends on your wife's actions. If as long as she's faithful, as long as she's caring for you, this would be the kind of love that you would describe for your wife. And then they asked it one other time with the other ending. Could you devu with the you, your wife? And everyone in the whole room busted out laughing. They thought it was the funniest thing they ever heard. They would never use that word to describe the love of a spouse. They said, if you would do this, this would mean to us that you would keep loving your wife no matter what she did. Even if she no longer remained remained committed to you, even if she was not faithful, you would just have to keep on loving her. So, no, we would never say the word devu. The word simply doesn't exist in our language. So with that, the missionary translator stopped and He was thinking about God's love and he asked the African leaders in this group. He said, could God devu people? Could God have this kind of love for people? And it was complete silence. The article said for three or four minutes, there was no word uttered. And then tears started trickling down the weathered faces of these elderly men. Finally, they responded. And they said, do you know what this would mean? If we were to use this word, it would mean that God keeps loving us over and over while at the time we rejected his love. He would be compelled to love us even though we have forsaken him. And it was at that point that by changing the simple vowel at the end of the word, the missionary described what had happened He said, we are changing the meaning from I love you based upon what you do and who you are to this. I love you based on who I am. I love you because of me and not because of you. Do you see the difference for that African community that that day? It was a striking difference. They were hearing about a love that they had not ever heard before that they'd not ever experienced before. And yet it was the love that God had encoded right within their own language to convey to them that He was committed to them, even if they had not been. That He was faithful to them, even if they had been faithless. That the kind of love God possesses depends on who He is, His character, His nature, and not necessarily the actions of those 
whom he loves. And so I ask you this morning, have you embraced this kind of love? I can't even hardly say it. The Davu love. Have you embraced this kind of love to, to look to God and see that, that His love for you extends past the mistakes that you've made? It extends past the condition that you find yourself? That it's a love that comes in and embraces and envelops even in the midst of this life and what this world has to offer. To be known by a God who loves you because of who He is. This is the kind of love that I think we see in the Christmas account of God sending his son, giving exactly what we needed in order to set us free and also to set us free to love as he has loved. In fact, if you look again at verse 11, it says, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so it's setting for us a standard, not the earthly standard that we can look around and see for love but a heavenly standard, a new way of thinking about commitment, a new way of thinking about sacrifice, a new way of demonstrating love to one another. And in fact, when Jesus would pray at the end of his earthly ministry, he would pray that that the world would see the disciples, that the world would see that they that those who followed the disciples message would be unified and that that by the love that they had for one another. That, 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 that God's gospel, that his message would be declared. And so that's where we see this love first coming and being seen in Christ. But we also see, secondly, that it's a call for God's love to be displayed in us. So I want to look over at Ephesians 3. And briefly, if we could, let's turn our attention from 1 John over to Ephesians. And, uh, and we will see again a description of God's love that's connected to what he provides for us. So again, it may it may give a, a, a fuller understanding for us today as we consider the magnitude of the love that God has. Let's look at several verses this morning, beginning in verse 17. It says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love. Now, do you think he's... Talking about an emotion here? You think he's talking about sentiment or a feeling? Probably not. He's talking more about the commitment. The commitment that God has for his people. And he's giving us a picture of being, being uh, stabilized by using two words, two metaphors that he's actually mixing together. Do you see what they are? One of them is rooted and the other is grounded. And so rooted would have been used to describe a plant, a tree, something that that would have been rooted, would have been firmly established. It would have been uh, able to to receive nutrients. But when the storms of life would come, that tree would be firmly planted. But he also uses the word grounded. And so this is coming out of the architectural world, speaking of a foundation and saying that, that someone who's in the, the love of God is stabilized as a foundation stabilizes a home. And he says it's in this love that we find stability. And so again, thinking about something that's more than, than a feeling, it's something that is a commitment. A commitment that God has that brings us security. Now you can look 
all around this world. And you can find people that are insecure, people that are unsure of of what is happening around them, unsure of what's to come. And yet God has said, I want to demonstrate to you by providing a love that is not of this world, something that will stabilize you, something that will give you security in this life and the life to come. Now, does that mean that 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 stability comes through circumstances always being the best? No, we all know that that even as Christians, we experience difficulties. We, We experience struggles. We have financial hardship. We have medical diagnoses that, that we weren't expecting. We have, we have challenges and frustrations in relationships. All of these things can still happen, and yet we are undergirded and stabilized by God's love. His commitment to see us through, to keep us firm, even when the life and the world around us gives difficulty. In fact, if we keep reading in, uh, in this passage, Ephesians 3, look at verse 18. Because it talks about what happens when we are rooted and grounded in love that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Now, how many of us this morning would like to try to measure the love of God today? Would you like to try to to get out the tape measure and just show how high, how wide, how far God's love is? That's something that was trying to be communicated here. As Paul was writing about the love of God, he was just overwhelmed by all of the experiences he had gone through. He was overwhelmed that God's love remained, that it was firm. And so he began using any word he could to describe a dimension to talk about its magnitude. Think about the breadth of God's love. Think about how wide his love is coming at the time in which he came. Yes, coming to the nation of Israel, but also coming for the entire world. His love was one that was very broad, both Jew and Gentile equally in Christ. Think about the length of his love. Thinking about the redemptive plan that God had all the way in eternity past, that it is a love that, uh, that came even before the foundation of the world. Think about the height of His love. Because we receive our, our blessings from heavenly places. That it's when heaven meets earth that we see, first of all, the blessing of Jesus coming, but all of the other blessings that come in knowing Christ have come from the heights of heaven. And then you can also think about the depth of His love. We can think about our our own personal testimony and remembering the very low level of sin that in which God rescued us from. That there was no sin that was too dark, no sin that was too bad that God's that God's salvation couldn't cover, that the blood of Jesus Christ couldn't cleanse. And so this morning, today, as we as we think about the love of God, maybe maybe you're here. And you're thinking that's exactly the gift that you need to receive this Christmas season. It's exactly the gift that you need in in, in recognizing God's love for you and the provision, the height, the depth, the length, the breadth, the love that he has, which indeed will give you the strength that's referenced here in verse 18. I was reading an account that that described this verse that took place back in the days of the the Spanish Inquisition. 
There was a particular prison where where many believers had been had been kept and they were they were in this this uh, this uh, this particular part of the the prison when some archaeologists came across and and found that there was one prisoner that had not been uncovered. And as they looked at him, they they, they could see that it was one who who still had a chain on his ankle and they, they, they knew the place that that he was in and the, 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 the time in which he had he had suffered uh, for his faith in Christ. But they were struck by what they saw inscribed on the side of the wall where he was at something like a like a cave where there was a, a cross that was inscribed into the side and you know what four words surrounded it the spanish words for for height written above depth written below width written to one side and length uh, written on the other. It was as if in the, 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 the waning days of a person's life, a follower of Christ, yes, being persecuted, yes, suffering, and yet being reminded of one verse, one verse that reminded him of the totality, the magnitude of God's love for him in that hour. And so maybe today that's the reminder for us as we're in this Christmas season to think about the magnitude of his love. Let's keep reading. Verse 19. We've talked about trying to measure something that we can't, couldn't fully, fully measure. Well, now let's try to, to try to think about something that we, we can't fully understand. Look what it says in verse 19. To know the love of Christ that surpasses what? Knowledge. That's an interesting phrase there, almost enigmatic to say, know this that passes knowledge. It's as if it's trying to convey to us that there is something that we can know, but we might not know it exhaustively. And when we begin thinking about the love of God, yes, we can experience it. Yes, we can describe it to a degree, but we may not fully be able to comprehend and understand because it surpasses our mortal knowledge. Look at the end of it, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul's kind of in a rhythm here. He's telling us that we're almost trying to, to measure something that we can't measure. We're trying to, to know something that goes beyond our knowledge. And now he's telling us that we need to be filled with something that we probably can't contain, right? It's certainly we can't completely contain the fullness of God. What do you think he means by this? To be filled with something means to be dominated by it. We use this, this phrase occasionally. We'll say that someone was filled with anger. That means they're being dominated by by rage. They're filled with the rage, filled with the anger, and everything that they're about is is being is being influenced by the rage, by the anger. Well, he's saying be filled instead, be dominated by the fullness of God. That's what the, the love of God produces within us. It allows us to to in some way have the presence of Christ within us. In fact, if you look again at verse 17. It speaks of Christ dwelling in us. Is that not amazing to think that, that that Christ would choose to come, that he would come as a baby and that after he would leave, his spirit would indwell those who call upon him and that through that we can be filled by him. Now, I would I would mention that this fullness is not something that just happens once and is over. I see it more as a continual filling and a refilling over and over and over again. Have you ever been at that point in the Christian journey where you felt like you were empty? Anybody? 
All right, there's four of us that are being honest. Five. We get there, don't we? You, 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 you go through and you serve and you, and you, and you, uh, and you follow and you, you seek the Lord and then you do this over and over and at times you can just run out. And this is where the fullness of God comes into play. Being refilled, refueled over and over. Part of it's being reminded of His commitment, His love for us. Part of it's surrendering to that and allowing it to, to really dominate and control who we are. Verse 17, Christ dwelling in us. Verse 19, being filled with the fullness of God. And what does it look like? It looks like when we have that fullness upon us, that we have in some way the ability to love others, listen to me, as God has loved us. Have you ever experienced someone else Showing you God's love, demonstrating God's love through them to you. Have you been on the receiving end of that? Have you have you at times felt that you were able to to be committed to someone or provide for someone in a in a way that you knew wasn't of your own capability, that it was his fullness, his love working through you. That's what this passage is speaking about. So I want to take just a minute in the midst of a Christmas season. In the midst of talking about God's love for us. And I want us to think about God's love in us. Being on display. And benefiting those around us. Our family, our friends, our neighbors, our church family. Particularly in light of a potential merger marriage. What does the love of God have to do With us potentially joining two congregations together. I believe that the foundation of being rooted and grounded as a church is right here out of Ephesians 3. And it's the love of God. Folks, we can talk about a great vision that we could dream about together. By the way, did you love reading through that vision statement this morning? Wasn't that encouraging to, to, to just stop and to pause? What might God be doing among us? What, what is it that He's placing upon our hearts to look to the future, to seek to accomplish in the coming days? I tell you, that vision statement really is an encouragement to me. But I'll tell you one thing. If the love of God is absent from it, do you know what it is? It's just words, isn't it? It's just words. But what if it is secured by the love of God in us and at work through us? That's when that vision is really attainable. That's when that vision begins to have flesh and bones. That's when that vision begins to make progress among us and outside these walls. Now, at the beginning of the service, as you all were coming in, Lee gave a welcome and he, he talked about, about the love that is demonstrated in marriage. Did you catch what he was talking about? Two people coming together. Two people learning to, to care for the needs of someone else. Not just their own needs. As a single, it's, it's easier just to think about what your needs are, what your desires are. But now in a marriage covenant, it changes, doesn't it? Now you're called to, to, to think about the needs of someone else. You're called to serve someone else. You're called to lay your own self down and sacrificially be committed 
to someone else. Now, folks, that's a different way I know that than the world sometimes describes love. But isn't that the isn't that the 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 demonstration and the picture that God has given to us to have this kind of love one with another? Oftentimes at uh, at uh, uh, wedding ceremonies, we read from first Corinthians chapter 13. In fact, uh, uh, some have even said that maybe, just maybe, that's the reason God included it in the Bible, right? Well, so that we'd have this to read at weddings. Let me read it to you, and you tell me if it's something that you think would have an application for two churches seeking to come together in the love of God. Here's how it's described. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends or love never fails. Do you you like that definition of love? This is beyond the wedding ceremony love. This is in the trenches kind of love. Yes, as a husband and wife. But if you think about it in the context of the church in Corinth to whom it was first written, do you remember the kind of conflict that took place in the church at Corinth? Just read through the opening chapters and you're, you will just be reminded of what they were dealing with and working through. And what was the answer that Paul would give to them? He would give them this definition of love, a godly love, a love that is that is founded in heaven, is seen in the in the birth of Jesus Christ, but is displayed in those who know him and whose love indwells within them. This is the love that can serve as a foundation for stability. If we want a stable church here, if we want a stable church, if it were to come together, it's going to be this kind of love that God uses to bring about the foundation that is needed to achieve the vision. And you know who's called to display that kind of love? Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us to humble ourselves. To serve, try to outserve one another in love and in good deeds. That's the call. That if God brings something together, two churches to have something new, a new fresh season of ministry, it's going to require us embracing this type of sacrificial commitment. And folks, if that happens, if that happens, you just wait to see how God's blessings will be poured out, not only upon a church, but even upon marriages and families, upon a community that can embrace the kind of love that God has designed us to want to receive. Well, it's interesting that this being the key, the love that God has declared in Christ is also the love that he wants to display through his church. Because as we keep reading, in fact, Catherine Hunt read this verse just just in in the last service, and it fits perfectly with where I think we are right now. As two church families. And I'd like to to read it because it flows out of what we've been talking about with the love of God. Look at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. To him 
To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's what we want to be about. His mission, his ministry, and ultimately, it's for his glory, not ours. That's a legacy, folks. That's a mission that will get us up and move us forward. That is something that I believe God can do in us and through us. Yes, the same kind of love that was on display 2,000 years ago in the manger is the same kind of love that God wants on display in His church and through His people today. God sent His Son And showed us a love that changes everything. And may we not only be recipients, but may we also give and serve out of the love that he has provided. Well, we're going to pray together. And after we pray, the ushers are going to come forward and receive the offering. Uh, this morning, as you know, we have two congregations with us, and so uh, there are offering envelopes available. And if, if you are wanting to make sure that that goes to West County, just write on the envelope or write on the check, obviously, West County. And uh, the counters will get it all separated, and so you can certainly use this as a time to receive both offerings, and we will make sure that, uh, that it's all distributed appropriately. So as the ushers come forward, would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we are amazed this morning as we think about the height the depth, the length, and the breadth of the love that you have for this world. A love that would call you to provide your one and only Son to be the Savior, to step out of heaven onto earth, to be both God and man, and to be the one that would bring us, that would rescue us, and allow us to know you as our Heavenly Father. We thank You for the the message of the Christmas season that, that clearly demonstrates Your love. And we thank You for the stability that it provides for us as Your followers. Even in a world that is that is that is difficult, a world that can be filled with disappointments and discouragements, God, You are the stabilizing force for our lives. You give us clarity. You give us wisdom. You give us direction. We thank You for what we have in You, not only for the hope of this life, but even for the hope in the life that is yet to come. So may we as Your children live as pilgrims in a strange land. May we be faithfully following You and and committed to Your mission as we have opportunity. God, we pray that You will bless our churches as we come to a final week before we decide and we see Your will made known to us on whether or not these two churches will be merged or married together as one. God, we pray as we've been praying for Your will to be done. God, we thank You that we can receive offerings this morning. We pray Your blessing on them. May You use these gifts to extend Your ministry in West County and beyond. As we think about those places like West Africa, where the Scriptures have not yet, in some dialects, and some languages, been translated. God, may Your love be communicated clearly so that more and more people 
can surround that great heavenly throne one day and call out before your throne, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, we love you and we praise you for the opportunity to worship today. We ask for your continued blessings on this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.